Hi, you're listening to the sermon recording podcast of Awaken Church. Awaken is a church of missional communities whose vision is to see individuals experience healing through the gospel, be raised to their fullest potential among community, and sent out to live a life on mission. You can find out more online at awakenvb.com. And if you live in Hampton Roads, we invite you to check out our worship gathering in the Haygood area of Virginia Beach, Saturday evenings at 5 p.m. Thank you for listening. All right, so hey, what we're going to do is kind of start the evening. Uh, I got good news and bad news. Which one do you want first? Wow, a bunch of pessimistic, cranky, curmudgeon-y, beautiful people. Um, tonight, we are going to just take a minute, and uh, we're going to pray out one of our own. In case you're not aware, Lindsay Smith is leaving us. She got orders down to South Carolina. So this is her last gathering with us. And so we were really sad about that. Um, it's always a difficult process because of us being in a military town. We see this pretty frequently, uh, whether it's with orders, whether it's with uh, deployments. It can be a variety of things. But one of the things that I love about Awaken's perspective towards this is, and this is the good news, is as much as we are losing one of our own tonight, the bad news, the good news is that we are sending someone out. And that perspective is so important because it's so easy in the moments of losing someone like Lindsay to think, man, what a loss that is for our community. And I, I would just challenge you to, to, obviously, that's okay to feel that in that moment, right? But I would also challenge you just to really take a minute and think, man, what amazing opportunity Lindsay has to carry the DNA that she's experienced here through missional communities, through being a part of Awaken, to carry that into the next opportunity that she has. And it won't probably be easy at first, her adjusting to a new community, finding new friends, discovering a new spiritual home. But in that process, she has a foundation that she's been a part of and that stability to look for. And in that process, if she can't find it, I guarantee you she'll be someone that helps start one in the process because of who she is and how God's wired her. And so I am, again, it's a bittersweet moment. We are so thankful for who she is and for what she has been a part of in our community, whether it's been through the worship team, uh, whether it's through, I know my missional community, the Linhaven group has had her, and she's been a part of our DC in that as well. And so, um, Lindsay, I'm going to ask you to come on up. We want to pray over you in the process um, as well. I'm going to use the orange mic just so that someone back there knows which mic I'm using. Um, I'm going to give that to Leah. And so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to uh, ask actually Leah to pray over Lindsay. Um, is there anything you wanted to say? I, no, I didn't probably give you any chance to like prepare anything, but you're welcome to say something. Some real shotgunning there. <laughs> um, I, Into I, the light. Into the, see the, there you go. If you feel blinded, you're in the right spot. Perfect. I, I do want to say thank you. A lot of people here, everyone in some way has had an impact on me as I've developed and grown here. I will say I didn't have this kind of community at my last duty station, so this is the hardest PCS I've had so far, having to leave, uh, because I've developed my second family here. So that makes it a really big challenge, but I'll be back. Don't worry. I'm going to come visit. Um, I know that I'm looking forward to many of the things that are going on in your lives to see how it changes. So just stand by, because I'll come see you. Yeah. And then we, we want to figure out how we can get you back here at some point, so... 
That's fine. Tell, just tell, me, <laughs> tell me who I need to talk to. So, uh, but obviously, what I was asking is just on behalf of just this moment as Leah prays, if you would just close your eyes, maybe even if you want to extend your hand, this is we pray over her in the process, a prayer of blessing and a prayer of sending out. That rhythm that we have of being sent out is vital to not only the mission that God's called us to here, but we are sending her out as a missionary into South Carolina to carry out what God's called her to do personally and as a still part of the Awakened family. So, Leah, will you pray with us? Daddy God, I thank you for the, the blessing that you've given us with Lindsay and her family. I pray for you to hold on to them as they get to experience life as just their family again. Um, and let this be a time for them to grow as, um, grow together and grow in fellowship together as a family and in finding their next community. I pray right now for Lindsay's heart, God, that you continue to take care of her and continue to guide her and continue to give her the strength that she needs. Um, because you have made her solid, God, and you, you hold her together in so many ways, and I thank you for that ministry that she has provided us um, and the wisdom that she brings and her ability to pour into people in a way that other people cannot. Um, I pray for the ministry that she is going down there for, Lord, the Marines that she will be working hand-in-hand hand with, the Marines that she will be taking care of because she just naturally will take care of them. Um, thank you for the heart that you've given her in that. I pray for their journey, for their travel as uh, Daniel and Shelby and the pets go to Tennessee on Monday and Lindsay ties things up here that her last few days here are sweet, that she gets moments with those that she loves and um, just encouragement as she goes down there. And I pray for the church family that she finds down there, that, Lord, that they welcome her, that they encourage them as a family, um, that you work in Daniel's heart and mm -hmm. allow him to also grow in strength in you and help him to find yes, his God. community um, and help him to find it with Lindsay. And be with Shelby and let people love on her mm -hmm. the way that we have had the opportunity to love on her and to see her joy and to help Lindsay and Daniel raise her and point her to you. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, God, and be with us as we're going to miss her mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and help us to keep in touch and keep her in our prayers. In your amazingly awesome name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Thanks, Leah. Cool, thanks for being a part of that, you guys. Um, we are in the very beginning-ish, still, uh, of a series called Kings and Kingdoms. How many of you guys have been here so far for at least one of the weeks of the series? This is a hand-raising thing where you guys raise your hand. Okay, great, thanks guys, appreciate it, awesome. Um, anyone enjoying this Old Testament series so far? Kind of an interesting, different way of doing things for us, at least as a community? Cool, awesome, thanks, appreciate it. See that hand? All right, so here we go. So we're going to jump in tonight. Really simple. There's this uh, guy in the Old Testament, probably the most revered king in the Old Testament. His name is David. And so I made a commitment to you in week one that when we're up here teaching, I'm not going to assume that you know the stories or the players involved. So we're going to kind of unpack it tonight. I'm going to do rapid fire, like 15 minutes, and then we're going to have a conversation 
well, you're going to have it at your table, I'm going to have it at my table, over kind of the impact of tonight's dialogue. Next week, we're going to do David part two. It's going to be a full teaching on David. But tonight, I just want to kind of start the conversation. And it's around probably the most well-known Old Testament, or at least one of the most well-known Old Testament stories um, in the Hebrew Scriptures around David and Goliath. And so I'm not going to actually read the whole passage tonight. And and actually, uh, depending on your opinions, you may think this is like just straight crazy talk, but we're actually not going to read a whole verse tonight in the message. I'm just going to paraphrase some things, but if you want to double check what I'm talking about, it's 1 Samuel chapter 17 is mainly the, the main passage of David and Goliath. So I'm just going to tell you some basic points tonight because I want to get somewhere different, but I got to kind of lay it down kind of fast for you. So keep up with me if you want, take some notes if you'd like, email me in my heresy later on, that's fine, but let's just run through this kind of fast tonight. So there's this guy named David, right? He is still a boy in the story. He has been uh, basically playing the harp for King Saul. He's been around, kind of following his story a little bit. We know at this point in the story that he is the appointed next king in the process. We know that that is part of what will eventually happen. There's been a foretelling of that process in the scriptures to this point. Basically, the really, really brief nuts and bolts of this story is that David, as a young boy, when uh, the Israelites were in battle with the Philistines, um, it's a pagan civilization that had worshipped numerous gods, and they were basically fighting with the Israelites over land as the biggest reason. And in this battle, this giant basically says, look, you send out your best guy, right? You send out whoever you want, and I will basically defeat them. And so uh, Goliath is, and how much of the story is honestly historically fact, and how much of it is, is fable in this process is, is unknown, to be honest with you. In case you're unaware, and there's people that have different opinions on that, even within our church probably, but there are parts of these stories, and this is a great example, where things are probably exaggerated a little bit to tell a story. And obviously most of these stories were passed orally along in the process. And so, you know, like any good old story, things get the fish story gets a little bit bigger every time you tell it, right? So, but regardless, Goliath was a behemoth of a man, right? Strong and obviously very well known in his tribe for being fearless in battle. Regardless of how big he was or, you know, all of the descriptive pieces about him, the, the reality of there's this warrior who is challenging the Israelites is the fact of the story. David, this boy in the process, says, you know what, I'll go to battle. And uh, he gets, you know, Saul says, well, go ahead, I will let you go, uh, but you need to have all my best, right? So he, he puts him in all this armor in the process, and he's like, look, this is not me. It's not what I'm about. And David's like, I got what I need. And so he goes to the creek with his little slingshot, as the story tells, grabs five smooth stones and walks out to the battlefield to meet Goliath. Now, pause the story for one second, right? This story is a classic, right? It's used in sports analogies probably every year to some degree, right? The David and the Goliath, right? You have the perennial team that's supposed to win it all, and you have the underdog, right? That's the classic David and Goliath story. And so that's why I would say most of us have heard at least the analogy of the story in the process. But what makes the story unique in the story that we've been talking about regarding the people of Israel is that the people of Israel are basically cowering in fear this entire time. Saul all the way down. So really, David is alone in this process of saying, look, I'll stand with God's power and I believe I can take on this giant and I will fight him. And so there are three main people in the story. We have the, the Israelite people group, the tribe of Israel. We have David representing that people group. And we have Goliath. Now, uh, I'm going to be careful here because I 
you know, everyone comes with different perspectives, right? But I recently saw a video on Facebook of a pretty well-known megachurch pastor. If I said his name, most of you would probably know who he is, who references the story of David and Goliath and talks about how that Goliath has your sword is the reference in this video, referencing how that, you know, you need to go into battle and take back what's yours, right? Because only one guy leaves with a sword at the end of the story. Uh, sorry, spoiler alert, David kills this guy, right? So that's the, that's the perspective of like, you need to go into battle, take what is yours and win as the victor. And, uh, and I think part of what happens is as we view scripture around this story, it's very important that we understand who is who in the story. Because, and I'll be honest, I do this and have done this a lot until recently. It's something that God's really convicted me of where I read passages like the David and Goliath story, and I, by default, begin to read myself into the story. Do you guys ever do this? Where, like, you're reading it, and you begin to think, like, well, I must be David in this situation. My debt, my situation, my obstacles are Goliath, right? And so I'm reading into the story and trying to think, okay, how do I overcome these things in my life? And so we read ourselves into these stories. Anyone else ever do that? Is that fair? Right? And so you think about it, and you're like, okay, God, what's the application for me as I read the story? Okay. And so we all want to be, I mean, no one wants to be the Goliath, right? So obviously the Goliath is the things in your life that you're facing. Obstacles, hardships, things that need to be overcome in the process. The issue with reading ourselves into a story like this, and I would say it's probably fair throughout the entire scriptures, is that you and I are not meant to read ourselves in as David. The issue is that if we read ourselves in as David into the story and we begin to apply ourselves that way, the predominant issue here is what happens when your five stones don't kill the giant? What happens when you're up against financial debt and you feel like I've got the tools I need, I'm going into battle, and you never once strike that stone on the giant? You begin to think to yourself, maybe I heard from God wrong. You begin to feel guilt, shame. You begin to question your faith. You begin to say, why did God let me down? All these things begin to happen when you, as the David in the story, and your obstacle, whatever it is, is not conquered in that moment. You begin to have some serious insecurities and doubts, shame even at times, related to how you understand your role in the story and the role of Goliath. Does that make sense? And I think one of the dangers of this process is pretty simple. Jesus is the best one to read in as the David in this story, right? Jesus is, obviously, not only comes from the lineage of David, but this is for the metaphor sense. In this sense, as we read stories like these, Jesus is the David in the story. Our sin, our flesh, that can represent Goliath in the process. We, as Christians, Christ followers in the room, those of us who, who are a part of the faith community of Christianity, we are the Israelites. We're the ones cowering in fear, not knowing what's going on or what to do. Right? If you want to read any, any part of the story, that's us in the process. But what ends up happening around these stories, whether it's Moses and right, the parting of the Red Sea, or you name it, we read these classic stories, especially the ones in the Old Testament, Noah and the Flood. You, know, you pick which story you want to, want to hang out in, and we read ourselves into these main characters. And we end up walking away, applying very faulty theology in our life. We walk away believing that we are this underdog and that our problems is the Goliath. And we begin to think to ourselves, all I need to have is just enough faith. All I need to have is just enough of these stones, right? I just need to have enough of whatever it is. 
to conquer the Goliath in my life. Instead of taking one step back and saying, I know someone who is the David in the story. You see, when we read into the story that Jesus is the David and that we are the Israelites watching Jesus play this out in front of us, that he is the ultimate victor, that he is the conqueror, he is the warrior, he is the underdog that overtakes it all, it changes our perspective entirely how we handle situations and obstacles in our life. Because so often, you and I think we can do it, right? I've, I've been in conversations with probably everyone in this room for the most part at some various point in time where you've said, like, I just can't figure, figure this thing out yet, Philip, right? Or my anxiety is still really heavy in this area and I just don't know what to do with it. Or I just cannot find myself overcoming this addiction or whatever the case is. And in these stories, you're reading yourself in as David and the thing that we're talking about becomes the Goliath. And I want us to step back from that and say, hold on a second. The issue here is that you keep trying to be the hero in the story. And the hero is already identified in scriptures as Jesus. So if you and I begin to learn how to get ourselves out of the way and allow Jesus to be who he is, the conqueror, the overcomer, our King Jesus, when he conquers these things and we learn how to submit in that process to his power, it changes the game entirely. We begin to understand spiritual warfare very differently in the process. We begin to understand the world around us and the role that we play is not that you and I need to be tougher, we don't need to be braver, we don't need to be stronger. That's not the goal of this story. The goal of this story is to understand when we read about people, especially like David and Goliath, it causes us to recenter ourselves, to realign ourselves in a way that says, Jesus, what are you teaching me in this story about who you are and about who I am. And I think when we begin to think that way, we begin to think about the ways that we view things. I just I know for me, like I grew up as a child going to church, and I, I absolutely was taught like, which which character do you identify with, right? Or which which person do you want to be, right? And they're innocent questions. The problem is that when you begin to do that over a period of time, you create really bad theology. Because you begin to think that you have an ability to conquer the giants in your life. You begin to think that you're not enough when they don't fall. And there are people in this room that have developed legitimate insecurities, anxieties, and even moments of depression because they feel like they're not enough because of faulty theology they believed on these kind of situations. And so I want to reset the cycle today. I want to help us as a group. There are kids in the room. I want us to raise our kids to understand Who's, who's Jesus in the story? Jesus is the David in the story. So that our kids can feel empowered to understand that the battle has already been won. There is a warrior in the story. And it doesn't need to be you, me, mom, dad, whoever the case is. It needs to be our understanding that we are reliant on Jesus going into battle for us, conquering the things that come in our lives. And when I begin to look at scriptures this way, and I've done a lot of this in week one, I've done a lot of reading, just personal reading, into the Old Testament lately, I'm very convicted of how in my own life, because, you know, who doesn't want to be the hero of the story, right? In my own life, I read these kind of accounts. And I begin to really think to myself, man, this causes pride and arrogance, which is a sin of my life, right? This doesn't cause dependence upon Jesus, this causes me when the moments where I feel like I can't kick this problem, right? I can't overcome this obstacle. It makes me begin to doubt 
well, where's God in all of this? It totally changes and messes up the way I view God when I read myself in as David in the story. Fast forward to this 2,000 years, right? Well, 2,000 years ago for us, right? But thousands of years later in this story for David where there's a man named Jesus who comes on the scene and begins to teach people what it looks like. You can actually conquer the ways of this world through being meek and gentle, not being a warrior. You can actually teach people what it means to win with love by turning the other cheek. There's a man who comes and completely flips the world upside down in a Roman Empire, the way that we think about things. And that man died on a cross and conquered sin and death in that moment, which allows us to experience this amazing freedom as Christ followers to walk into that, walk into that freedom and understand what it means for us to offer that to other people. How incredibly freeing is it that you and I don't have to be David in that story? You don't have to be the one that has it all figured out. You don't have to walk in. And the video I referenced earlier from this megachurch pastor, right, it's, it's incredibly uh, dangerous to think that you can walk into a battle and that some giant has your sword and it's your job to go take it from them, right? Because each of us in this room, we've been there, right? We've been in the dark moments where we feel like, I've literally tried everything and nothing seems to work. I can't figure this thing out. And in those moments, it's a truth and the reminder that Jesus is the David in the story. That when he comes back into battle and restores peace into the kingdom, there is something beautiful that begins to unfold for the first time in the, in the Hebrew people as this new king begins to be trained in the process. So my question to you tonight, it's one question. We've normally done a lot of questions. We've done a couple of different things. I've got one question for you tonight. It's not even going to be up on the screen. just want you to have a conversation at your table tonight. Your one question tonight is very simple. What is God saying to you? I'm not going to over-spiritualize it. I'm not going to make it this elaborate deal. It's not that I didn't prepare something, right? It seems like a very simple question to ask you, right? But in all seriousness, as you think through this story, or maybe scriptures in general, right? And you think through how you identify yourself. What is God saying to you tonight? Is it something as simple as, you know what? I do think oftentimes I can do it and then I'll call on God when I need him in the process. Is there a lack of dependence on Christ in the process? Is it that you keep thinking that if I just grab the next right stone, that that stone will kill the Goliath in my life and I've been viewing this thing the whole time wrong? See, I believe in a king. His name is Jesus who conquers these things for us. And the moment that I get Philip out the way is usually the moment that victory begins to happen in these problems. And so I would challenge you tonight to view this story differently. Or if you've never heard the story tonight, I pray that it would be the first time you hear it this way. The story of the underdog as a boy conquering a giant 
is one that's very much true in everyday life for you and I, but not by your power, not by your boldness, not by your strength, not by the weapons that you choose to take in the battle, but by you sending out the right person to fight your battles for you. So let me pray for us, and let's go ahead and have a conversation about what is God saying to you tonight. Jesus, we lay this at your feet tonight. We ask in this moment that you would just be with our conversation. God, for those of us in this room, myself included, who regularly wrestle with trying to do it on our own and then somehow giving you credit on the back end, God, I pray that you would just cause a moment of confession in our hearts. For those in this room who feel defeated, God, I pray that tonight would encourage their hearts that they don't have to keep going into battle up against this thing, but they can send out someone else. God, I pray there would be freedom and that there would be an awareness tonight, God, that we would all leave here with the reminder that you are this warrior in the story, that you conquer sin and death, trials, temptations, addictions, anxieties, insecurities, that you do these things. And God, I pray you would help us to get out of the way and understand how your upside-down, backwards way of doing the gospel impacts how we view stories even like David and Goliath. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so hopefully you guys have got a good chance to have a uh, healthy dialogue at your table. Um, at this part, we're going to have just a, hopefully a five or ten minute conversation as a room together and just ask maybe some open questions. Uh, tonight's conversation is obviously meant to be, um, I don't want to say controversial, but it's meant to, it's meant to poke at the story intentionally. If we lay on different parts of it, that's okay. Um, and that's the beauty of the process. Um, and so we all view these stories differently. Like at my table, obviously, people see different parts of how they connected, right? So for you guys, uh, not to re-ask the same question again, but um, what are some of the things that you guys talked about around the story pertaining to, you know, your obstacles being Goliath or reading yourself into the story or how you connect with parts of the story in the process? Where did you guys go in conversations? All right, there you go. Neil will be my runner tonight. Go ahead. Okay. So oh, yeah, mic's on. Your question was, what is God doing in your life, right? Sure. Yeah. Okay. So we talked about relationships, building relationships, and how the church here is not, it's not where we necessarily are building and making friends and, and connecting relationships. It's at our missional communities. Um, and it's very important that people are going to those missional communities because they are connecting and building and finding help. Um, we have a couple people at this table who are not from the area and have just recently been going um, and have found a lot of help and they're not feeling judged um, and they're not afraid to ask the people in their community, missional community, for that help. So, yeah, just building the relationships and trusting and not being judgmental. So connect that to the David Goliath conversation for me. No. <laughs> what, that wasn't a valid follow-up question? All right. Guess we'll never know. All right. 
Somebody else want to go? All right, Sean. Um, so yeah, we were talking a little bit about um, just how we none of us had ever really thought the way that you presented it before of putting ourselves not in the shoes of, thank you, not in the shoes of David, but in the shoes of the people who are, are watching because I know for a lot of people, me as well, it's what you want to do. Your instinct is after you pray, you're like, all right, now I'm going to get up and I'm going to go and do the thing that I prayed about and try and micromanage every single thing about it. But it's like that defeats the purpose of giving it over to God because, you know, you're trying to do it in your own power. And so we talked a little bit about, you know, just finding the balance between doing that and, you know, or not doing that, not trying to do it all yourself and trusting in God, but also like, you know, realistically not, you can't completely like, how do I say this? So like there's real world like consequences to just like completely turning it over and not actually taking responsibility for anything. And so like finding the balance there, I guess. And a lot of other people at my table had some other awesome feedback about it. Does anybody uh, have any that they want to share with the group? Or am I just going to take them on for the team here? <laughs> Everyone watch Amy eat a cupcake while David talks. Well, now you put me on the spot, I have to come up with something. <laughs> well, I guess just to, I guess, build on what Sean was um, speaking of, it. Um, I think one of the most thing that a lot of times when we're praying, we pray, you know, God, give me strength. And really, we shouldn't be. It's God, walk through this with me or God, take on this for me. Um, when Jesus um, gave the Lord's Prayer, <laughs> he, you know, nowhere in the Lord's Prayer did he say, you know, Father, give me strength. It's, you know, Father, you know, let your will be done. Um, let your kingdom come. You know, give me only what I need for today. You know, it was never any, um, you know, God empower me to do this. It's, you know, God, what, what is your will? You know, what can I do to bring your kingdom here on earth? And so I guess you telling the, the story, yeah, because I think everybody, including me, has always read it as, yeah, like how would I, you know, as David had the faith to, to conquer Goliath? And it's like, no, that's not the point of the story. So I, I really appreciate that, that it's, you know, looking to God to conquer our, our, our enemies. And that's, that's the only faith we need, not, you know, you know, what does, what do we need God to give us? It's you no, know, what do we need to give over to God to mm -hmm. just let him do it? That's good. Yeah. I think what Sean touched on too, uh, which is a good reminder for all of us. It's not a, you, there's also bad theology and saying, well, I'm just going to give it over to God and not do anything with it. Right. There's a, there's a part that we play as children of the King in this process to go and, be a sent people, but understanding who is the warrior of the story is the important process here. And so, um, you know, what I love about these stories, and we all view these stories differently, right, is there are so many parts here, but I would say there's application woven, woven and encrypted into these stories all over the place for each of us. And so 
as we journey through this series over the next several weeks and talk about people, we're going to have some historical conversations that maybe do unlock perspective changes like tonight, or maybe they're just simply like, I need to go back and reread that story. Uh, I won't, you're standing up here so you can speak for yourself, but Neil was even saying, you know, in the process that, uh, you know, for me, I read so much of the backstory that the, the battle scene is actually not the main thing I read into the story. It's all the work leading up to the story. And so regardless of how you read into these stories, though, I think the context of tonight's message is really around be careful walking away, reading things into it for you to get what you need and then check out the, like check out and leave the story, right? The takeaway is not for you to read into it what you need, whether it's strength, whether it's empowerment, whether it's the right weapon, whether it's the right armor or the lack thereof. Well, the takeaway is understanding the role that we play in allowing God to do what God does best, which is show up and take victory over things in our life. And that is the predominant takeaway of the story and how we intersect with that, depending on where you're coming from and what other parts of the story you're reading, obviously are a huge part of our process. Um, so I'm, I was really honestly encouraged tonight that through our conversation, our table, there are people who are reading scripture in healthy ways, that it wasn't just simply a, yeah, no, that's always how I view these things. There was some good healthy, like, oh, I like to read the context of this and that. Like, obviously, whenever you read a story, right? I, um, it's important to read the backstory, to read what's happening around it, to understand what's going on. Um, as one of your pastors, I would tell you, never read a Bible verse, right? Read the context around it, right? Read the chapter, read the, the passage, read the context and what's it's going on. You can't just read the battle scene without understanding what God's doing before and after the story too. So anyway, I hope, hope the conversation was good tonight. Any final thoughts tonight? Anyone else want to share something that was not said yet that they would like to contribute? You want to? Yeah, there we go. So uh, David and Goliath um, reminded me of a TEDx talk we listened to uh, last week at our missional community about um, change or how we think we're going to change in the future. And one of the things... um, that, that struck me about that TEDx talk and how it kind of ties into this David and Goliath idea is, you know, oftentimes when we're struggling with things, you know, there's something that needs to change or something that needs to um, yeah, well, change. Yeah, obviously. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, as we were having our discussion last week about uh, that TEDx talk, uh, it, it dawned on me that, or let me back up for a second. The premise of the TED Talk was that we lack the imagination to change. So uh, that, that, that was his hypothesis of, uh, of this talk. And it dawned on me that oftentimes, uh, you know, when we're not following God, when we're far from Jesus, uh, we think faith is unimaginable. And I, I was drawing this correlation between the fact that uh, you know, when we're strong in faith, we can change and accomplish anything. Yet, you know, when we're weak in faith, we lack the imagination or lack the, you know, thought process to change or, you know, overcome whatever we might need to be overcoming. Here, you can use this one. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, 
Yeah, I um, I want to add to, I do want to speak for myself for what Philip was saying about our reading. One of the things that occurred to me, we went, we went back and forth a lot at our table about, about what the analog really is and getting invested in this story. And um, it, it occurs to me and why, when I read this story, to me, the battle is, and Philip said this, the battle is not the important part of the story. Um, and, and it is the backstory. And, and one of those reasons is because of this. One of those reasons is because of the um, we're not supposed to be the hero idea. But another reason is oftentimes through these Old Testament things, if you can notice where, where the battle is and where God has been moving before and around it, then of of course the battle's won. You don't even really have to read that part. Like, that's just a thing that happened. Um, and so for me, when I was asked very directly about the takeaway, my takeaway at the table, it was it was very much a sometimes if you're or all the time, if you're paying attention to how God is moving, then you're not paying attention to those battles. You're paying attention to where God is moving. So you stop trying to overcome those. You stop trying to fight those. And you just go where God is going. And that, that is promised to not always be comfortable but it is promised to always be good. And not good in the, not good in the you're gonna get everything you want way, but good in the um, God is taking care of your, um, taking care of you way. Um, I don't know if I can explain that any better. But. Yeah, and I would, yeah, we need to move on, but I would just echo that to say there is definitely a, a reminder in these stories of presence, which is a common theme that we've talked a lot about in the last few, even weeks, sermons, series that we've been doing, that so often we get f so focused on provision, perfection, and so many other words. I wish I had more P words to make this even better, but... <laughs> Uh, the reality is that God's focus is in presence, us being present with him, him being present with us. And whether it's in the battle or the preparation leading up to it, the idea is not to give you what you need so that you can go fight the battle. The idea is so that he desires to be present with us into the battles that we go. And that's a huge mindset shift, I think, for a lot of us in the room. Um, that we should leave here tonight with. So we're going to end with worship tonight. Uh, there'll be two songs that we do. Um, if this is a time at Awaken where you've never been here before, maybe it's been a while, this is a quick reminder. We have these three responsive stations up here beside me. We have communion uh, as a way of, if you are a Christ follower in the room, especially tonight, as I think there's a strong correlation and parallel between Jesus and the cross in this conversation tonight. Maybe I would challenge you tonight, if you haven't 
taking communion in a while and you are a believer in the room, we believe in the sacrament of communion. That's an important thing that we take part in. And although we don't, as a community, but a couple times a year, pass it around or do some kind of a, a formal process, it is up here every week as a reminder for you if you choose in this moment as a Christ follower, to be reminded of the symbolism of Christ's body broken for you, Christ's blood spilt for you. And I think tonight is a perfect example of one of those ways that I would encourage you, if you haven't taken communion in a while, to do that. Uh, secondly, I would say for those of us in the room, there may have been this, uh, this, this thing that clicked in your heart tonight that, you know what, I keep going into battle and I keep walking away losing because I keep forgetting who's who in the story. And so maybe there's just a confession moment for you internally of like, God, I got to get out of the way. I need to stop trying to be this, or I need to stop going and thinking I just need to go do it by myself. And so maybe there's a moment of confession tonight. Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's arrogance. Uh, maybe it's ignorance. Maybe you just don't know what you don't know, right? But whatever it is, I would say maybe tonight some of us need to find ourselves at the confession table, writing down something on a stone as a reminder of dipping it into the water that God God forgives, right? There's this beautiful part of confession that's all found all throughout Scripture that you are set free. And so do not leave here tonight in shame or in guilt. Whether it's about tonight's topic or something else, I don't know what you have going on, but I promise you that God does not want you feeling guilt and shame. It is not how he works. And if there's anything tonight that you feel related to that, spend some time at that table tonight. You don't need to tell me. You can put it on a stone and wash it out. You and God can deal with that, right? And then finally tonight, there are people who, again, we all carry things. We all do this, that we think we can, we can keep doing. We can be the hero. We can overcome that obstacle with this thing. And our shoulders get heavier and heavier and heavier because we think that it's our job to be Christian superheroes. And God's like, hey, I got that part already figured out. So it's your job to lay those things down at the cross and leave here with your shoulders lighter than you came in. These stations are up here, and I, I highlight them tonight in that way because it doesn't matter to me whether or not you choose to interact with them. They're there as an option, right? But if all we ever do is stand and sing songs and you don't engage in some of these processes, I do think, and I would challenge you that you're missing out. It's something that God wants to unlock in you. And so I choose to do them weekly for different reasons, not because I want to like make you do them, but they're, I need them. Like they're a part of my process. And I would invite you tonight, whether it's comfortable or uncomfortable for you to sit, stand, or interact with these, to find yourself engaging in worship in a way that's truly connecting to God, regardless of your comfort level. So we're going to stand and sing. And then finally, if tonight you do choose to give through, uh, you know, the offering as an act of stewardship or generosity, that station is in the back with the orange basket. So I'll be up here to close out in prayer tonight. If you will, let's go ahead and stand and let's worship.